0: Oh, is it good to be back? Welcome to the seventh episode of the Paper Cuts Podcast. Today's episode is called 599 Pages or Less. Enjoy! Welcome, everybody, to the Paper Cuts Podcast. Uh, Today is a fun day. Unfortunately, Evan's not here, though. Wait, maybe that does make it fun. I don't know. It could be fun. (laughs) But with me, I have Dan and Nick, as always, uh, our our faithful companions in our adventures in the comics. Why don't you guys say hi?
1: Hello. Good evening.
0: All right. So uh, why don't we start with uh, Dan? Because I love your icon on Skype. It's fantastic. I love sharks.
1: What is it right now? It's
0: a shark with a pipe.
1: Oh, the the I Say? Yes. I yeah. yeah. yes. love that guy. It's
0: fantastic. So why don't, you, why, don't you, why don't you go and tell us what you've been reading or started reading? Because it's Wednesday, so books just came out today. So let, it, bit, let, let us know.
1: I've got, a, I've got two books, one that came out today and one that came out, uh, I think it was a week ago. It might have been two weeks at this point. I'm not exactly sure. The days are kind of blended together now. But uh, the one that came out today was uh, the Batgirl Futures End. Number one, DC's got this whole uh, Futures End event going on right now that I I don't really honestly know a ton about because I don't read a lot of DC books uh, outside of like Superman and Batman. But this one is Gail Simone' her last issue on, on Batgirl. There's been some controversy uh, going on of like she was kicked off the book and then she was put back on the book and then like DC fans got their panties in a twist and bitched and complained about stuff. And then she was given kind of her choice of books and she's, she's a super talented writer. Like Gail Simone is awesome. She's really, really good and has done some really great work on the Batgirl series. She, she's been responsible for uh, taking Barbara Gordon out of the wheelchair and putting her back in the Batgirl costume when the new 52 started which I don't know. I, I haven't read the entire run of the book. I don't know if they ever explained that. Somehow the, the killing joke story was still relevant and she was still shot and paralyzed, but now she's better.
2: No, I um, think it was, uh, didn't she get like some miracle spine thing or whatever? I remember, I've read like the first 15 or 20 of them. I, I did like that series, the Batgirl series.
1: If you say so, um, believe I believe so. I will, uh, I'll believe that. It was but, Miracle Medicine.
0: Well, I mean, it's cool that they made her viable again because she's always been a great character and it sucked that they put her in a wheelchair, even though, you know, for handicapped people that gives them something to to look at. But I mean, keeping her in that chair for so long kind of debilitated, you know, her, I guess, person, not personality, but I mean, everybody wanted to see her as Batgirl. And you yeah. know, Oracle was you're a very right. cool They're character most... for a while, but I—it's—it's it's a novelty character. She can't be in her own book. Batgirl can be in her own book, but Oracle can't. <laughs> she
2: can't. Just I see her wheeling across a room. <laughs> 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 what are you
1: gonna do this panel? I'm gonna wheel to the right. <laughs> <laughs> Slowly. You're both—you're both terrible people. <laughs> uh, I want you both to know that, and anyone listening.
0: I, I'm gonna have to decide later whether I, whether I want to edit this out or not.
1: You, you cannot.
2: We that's this is just who we are. It's funny. She can't be the book because she's handicapped. Can't <laughs> <No. you> do <laughs> it. She's.
1: I didn't say that because. No,
2: I enough. think I did. <laughs> no,
1: the uh, well, but that was actually kind of my big problem with what they did with putting her back. Like I understand that there was this uh, this desire to see Barbara Gordon back as Batgirl. But Oracle was an awesome character, and one of the very few things in comic books that you could point to of, like, this is an idea that resonates with a a specific group of of people, and they feel really good about it, you know? it, it. And this may sound really silly, but it gave people who find themselves, unfortunately, confined to a wheelchair, somebody to fucking cosplay as.
0: No, yeah, I, I, you know, I get what you like, mean.
1: And that's a really great thing. But, you know, all, all of that aside, they they put her back in the Batgirl suit. And this Future's End issue, uh, it's called Darker in the Soul, is her last issue on Batgirl. And the premise of this book is that two years in the future – Barbara Gordon gets married. And this is going to be spoiler heavy because I really can't talk about this book without spoiling it. So, spoilers. Spoilers. Spoilers.
0: If you'd like to skip all the spoilers, guys, head over to around 14 minutes, 35 seconds, and you'll miss all the action for all the Batgirl extravaganza.
1: Um, two years in the future, Barbara Gordon marries a cop named Steve. Steve! It, it's always Steve. But not Steve Trevor. Like, not the Steve in the DC universe. Just another, another Steve.
0: Just some schmuck named Steve.
1: Yeah, some schmo named Steve. And at the wedding, uh, Barbara's brother James shows up. And James is crazy. And apparently Commissioner Gordon is dead at this point, two years in the future. Uh, but her brother shows up. He's been crazy his whole life and has been a villain at certain times in the book. And he shows up and and says, you know, I didn't get my invite sis. I can't believe it got lost in the mail. Right. And like starts tormenting her. And he's pointing a gun at Barbara Gordon and says, basically the only thing that can save your life right now, Barbara is if your new husband uh, jumps and kills himself, jumps off this building. So naturally the guy jumps and kills himself to save Barbara And Barbara loses her shit and, like, breaks ten of the James's bones and dislocates his eye socket and a whole bunch of shit. So cut to five years in the future from that, and there is now a league of Batgirls running around. There's Stephanie Brown, (laughs) which people have wanted back in a Batgirl costume for a while. So she's in a Batgirl costume in this. Uh, There is Cassandra Cain, who is also back in a Batgirl costume. Yeah,
0: they're bringing back a lot of the old ones, it seems.
1: Yeah. And then there's a brand-new Batgirl, a 12-year-old uh, named Tiffany Lucille Fox, who happens to be Lucius Fox's uh, daughter. Of course. Right, of course, because— That's like George Foreman with the names. It, re- <laughs>
2: it really is.
0: I'm going to name you, George, and you, George, and you, George,
2: and I'm all you, girl, George. I'm a Daddy. I don't care. Your name's George, too. <laughs> but, Daddy, I don't want to be Lucius
1: Fox. Well, you so, got a first name there, too. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, you got Tiffany. Um, So Barbara is now in charge of the the League of Batgirls, but she is no longer a Batgirl herself. She is... And the reason she is the Black Beast is because after her husband died, she went on this big crusade against crime in Gotham, like took down the Riddler, took down Penguin. The book says she took down like 70% of Gotham's crime syndicates, And the last one that she wanted to take down, uh, was Bane, right? So there's this whole big thing of her training with Bane and he gives her venom and she's all fucking super jacked up and has a Bane mask on, but still a Batman top. So it's all like super, she looks, and I was saying this to Nick before we started recording, she looks like China from wrestling. Yeah. Um, also from porn. (laughs) <laughs> and apparently, also from a classroom in China, where I believe she is, which is weird. China is now in China, uh, apparently teaching English to little Chinese children. Huh. This is the last story I saw. Wait, wait, is she,
0: is she really Chinese?
1: No, no. Oh, I, well, I don't know. I, I don't think she is. Come on, you're the wrestling guy. You should know these things.
2: No, I know. But is she is she a man or a woman? That uh, is to be
1: debated. No, no, she's she's a woman. Oh, uh, you, you saw, you watched, huh? <laughs> How could I not? It's like a trailer. <laughs> it's a trailer. very easily not to watch. <laughs> no, it's really not. You'd be surprised. So you
0: I... you were saying about Batgirl being jacked <laughs> like China?
1: <laughs> yeah. So so Barbara Gordon's <laughs> fucking super jacked on Venom, right? And she's got her League of Batgirls going around, and like there, there's a ton of front loading in this book of like all this background of like, you know, like she took down all the crime families and then all this shit's going on. And there's a league of Batgirls girls. And then she leaves Bane to like take over Gotham and very similar to, uh, rise of the dark Knight And, um, and then the book just kind of ends like Bane shows back up and they fight and she wins and she big spoiler. If you're still listening and and you don't want, you didn't want it spoiled. Uh, The big spoiler is she never actually took the venom. She just worked out so hard that she jacked (laughs) herself up. She's like, I've made (laughs) myself a goddess. Okay. (laughs) Ate four steaks a day. (laughs) Drinking a bunch of raw eggs like Rocky, (laughs) running up those dumb steps. Um, Yeah, so I I was digging the book. I was like, all right, this is pretty cool, like League of Batgirls. Stephanie Brown's back as Batgirl. That's pretty cool. And then, like, it's over, and they hug at the end. And I like
0: wait, her and Bane hug?
1: No, no, no. Oh. She beats Bane, and then uh, the the little Tiffany, the little Batgirl, uh, swings in because Bane has a detonator in his hand and he's going to blow up the city because you know Bane. And um, she swings in and grabs the detonator, and. You know, saves the city because it's if I let go of this detonator for 10 seconds, the city bl- burns or whatever bullshit. And um, yeah, and then it's just over and they hug like she rips off the Bane mask and she's like, it's been me. I've been Barbara all along. And it's <laughs> surprise. Yeah, It just kind of I don't know. I expected more out of Gail Simone's kind of final issue. And I I don't know.
2: Yeah, see, I, I expected exactly what you are saying once I saw that shiny cover. Once I saw that, you know, I learned my lesson with Forever Evil. With that, with the, once they come out with crazy covers, that means that the stuff
1: inside is horrible. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, you should have should learned that by the chrome covers from the 90s. Good to no, note. you're
1: right. The the chromian shit really should have been a deterrent. But yeah. I, it, it really seems like the first half of the book was DC telling Gail Simone, like, Tell a good story, and the last couple of pages was like, Okay, here's what we're saying you have to end it with. <laughs> yeah, it's such a drastic, like, stop, this is over. You know, she saves it, you're still Batgirl, and it's been you this whole time. And yeah, like, I
2: could just see like great dialogue with her and her brother, and yeah. then all of a sudden, like, at the end, it's just all, you know, big tits and explosions, and and you know, trying to stop the big guy.
1: Yeah, and no. uh, like don't get me wrong, you know, big tits and explosions, I'm in. I'm down for that, you know. But it it was just it was it was very jarring. The yeah. uh the artwork was was pretty decent. I mean, it's it's very much it's my my biggest problem with DC isn't even the editorially mandated stuff. It's the fact that every book looks the fucking same. Um
2: yeah.
1: So, it looked like a DC book. There were a couple times where the faces were were really um not that every like super heroine has to be attractive, because I don't believe that at all. Like I'm in the camp that's pissed off that they made Amanda Waller skinny once they rebooted the new fifty two. <laughs> um I, I really thought that was just kind of bullshit to do that. But there are some that are just it, it is still a visual medium and there were some panels that were downright not nice to look at. You know, they were it was just a bad drawing. A lot of the book looks really good, but every now and again, it'd be like, you didn't spend a lot of time on that face, did you?
2: I really don't understand what DC's doing with this DC house style. You know, it's great to, to pick up the Marvel books and, and images is, is blowing out like the variety out of the water. But at least Marvel, you know, you have different, you know, concepts and styles and and types of uh, coloring. You know, they really go out of the box. But with DC, you, you open it up, you know what you're getting.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you look at Marvel's biggest selling books, and they couldn't look any more different. You know, right. Avengers could not look any more different than Hawkeye.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, you know. I, I, I
0: mean, I, I'll step in here and say I, I think Batman, Superman, uh, when Jay Lee was on it, didn't look like a lot of other books. That,
2: you're right, you're right. Jay Lee is, is is a style of his own.
0: Very whimsical looking uh, drawing style. He, nothing's... Particularly defined in those books, I would almost go to say muddy, but it's it's not muddy. It's just nah, everything's it's very
2: flowing. Jay Lee stuff is gorgeous. Yeah,
1: yeah Jay J- Lee's got a very uh, ethereal quality. To, yeah, there like, you go.
2: There the you go. Big words, man. Works. But just just off the top of your head, like you know, I can't think of anything else. You know, Justice League is it's same old, same the, old. Their
0: their big books are close to the same. I mean, when you Batman, think about, but
2: Superman. you,
0: you know sure. what they have? They they have like Jim Lee stigma. Uh, not mm-hmm. not yeah uh, yeah Jim Lee. They all kind of look like that
2: sort of style, like very. Everyone's trying to be Superman Unchained. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, it's it's very right
1: similar. It's very similar to like Top Cow. Um, their books like Witchblade and Darkness and and Evangeline and Magdalena and and all the books the Top Cow had ever done. Um, they all look like you know what you're getting. It's a Top Cow book. They they have this very defined house style, very similar to what Image was in the early '90s. You know. It was, Tiny ankles, no feet, and big pouches. Like that was fucking everybody's <laughs> shit. Um so yeah, I mean it is is it a great book? No. Um is it worth a read? If you're really into Gail Simone's Batman or Batgirl. I think it's uh I, it's a decent send off. I just expected more from her, knowing how talented she really is. Um so yeah, that's that's that one. But the main book that I wanted to talk about was Uh, It's called Andre the Giant Life and Legend.
0: Shut the fuck up.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) By by a guy named Box Brown. And it's a graphic novel that was put out either last week or two weeks ago. And it is just by not even by like really a comic book company. It's by First Second. Um, They're the the publisher on the book. And the guy's name is Brian Brown, but he goes by Box Brown on the uh, on the book. And it is just the story of Andre the Giant's life. And it's, uh, to me, I mean, I'm, as we know, I'm a huge wrestling fan. But to me, it's such an interesting story to see this guy who uh, never stopped growing. I mean, the, this guy was, when he started his professional wrestling career in the 70s, He was not as big as he was the day he died. Like, he never fucking stopped growing. And to see a man that huge, I mean, fucking larger than life, you know what I mean? Yeah. To see a guy that big break down throughout his life, you know, there's this really very touching, very sweet moment on the Princess Bride DVD. If you watch the special features, there's an interview with Mandy Patinkin in there. And he starts tearing up talking about Andre because Andre had he had to have back surgery at a point in his career. And while he was out with surgery, he went off the film Princess Bride, which is one of the greatest fucking movies ever made. Because he had the surgery, though, you had this incredibly large, very strong man who couldn't even lift Robin Wright. Like he was not strong enough physically at that point to lift her. And there's one scene in particular where she jumps at, at the end and he catches her and she had to be on wires because he couldn't fucking do it. And they, you know, they, they talk a little bit about that. And the line that really chokes up Mandy Patinkin in there was he says, you know, are you enjoying your time on this film? And this is in the comic book as well. It says, you know, are you enjoying your time on this film? And Andre says, basically, I'm having the best time I've ever had in my entire life. And it's really why you're in this incredible amount of pain. The days are really long. It's hard for you to be out here. And Andre's response at that point was nobody looks at me here. Right. I'm yeah, yeah. I'm just a person. And Mandy Patinkin is fucking tearing up and shit in this interview. And it's it's just this very touching, emotional story. And you had this guy who was loved by Millions of people. I mean, Andre the Giant is one of the most famous names that there has ever been, not just in the world of wrestling, but in pop culture. I mean, the guy has been a fixture forever. And his life was very sad. It was very, you know, there's a lot of loneliness there. He had a daughter.
2: Yeah, that, that 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 line that you just said just just brings back a lot of lot of small things about his life. How how he, everyone just always looks at him. And he got, he's the biggest guy ever. Like chairs didn't fit him. His yeah. meals were just so enormous that like they always drew attention. The amount of alcohol he drank, just just sitting there, he, and he wouldn't get drunk at all. Like he couldn't he go could. to the bathroom in, in normal places. He would use showers and things like that. Like how you know and and. To top it all off, he was the definition of gentle giant.
1: He was the nicest yeah. guy ever. The sweetest the sweetest man who fucked up his own family life. But you're right, and they cover that in the book too of like, you know, Andre the Giant would go wrestle professionally in Japan. And it was especially hard for him in Japan because oh, yeah. you know, stereotypically Japanese people are, are smaller than than other people around the world. And um you know, he said in Japan he can't even get through a fucking doorway. He has to almost get down on his knees to get through a goddamn door. And you don't even think about that when you see a guy who is is that large and that loved by people and performing. We don't really ever stop to think about what must a man who's almost eight feet tall and 500 pounds what must your life actually be like? You can never sit in a regular chair. You can never sleep in a regular bed. You know, like what you can't get drunk. <laughs> like you have to, the amount that he would have to drink. It's, it's damn near impossible for what, that what to was, happen still his, be awake.
2: What was his family relations like? What what like
1: who'd he marry and things like that? He, he didn't get married. Um, oh, no. he, he met a woman at a casino and kind of had a one night stand and on again, off again, You know, kind of one night stand deal and uh, had a daughter and saw her like six times before he died. And she was like 12 when he died, you know, but he was just always on the road. And he he said to the woman, um, if the book is accurate, he said to her, you know, "I, I can't be a father to her. This that's not my life. I'm sorry, but that's not what my life is.
2: Yeah, yeah. He, he must have been toted around since the age of, you know, once he started getting big. He he was the, the freak show from the small town he was from, you oh, know, yeah. all the way to the bright lights of Madison Square yep. Garden, you know. Yeah.
0: He, well, I mean, uh, Paul White suffered from the same thing till he had surgery, no?
1: Yes. Yes, but he had the surgery. They removed the uh, the tumor that was on his pituitary gland. Right, right. And, so, you know, the Andre show. the Giant
0: didn't have that luxury right. back then.
1: Right. You know, and it's it's just this... This kind of just insane story, and it's really well written. The uh, the artwork in it is very very simple, almost um, almost like Sunday uh, Sunday cartoon strip in the newspaper style. Right. It's very very simplistic. It's all black and white. Um, it's just awesome. I mean, it was just it was so good. It's it's a three hundred page graphic novel that I read in one sitting. Who, who oh. released it? Uh, first second, it was called first
0: second. Well, I mean yeah. that that sounds awesome. I mean it's always awesome to to read about you know wrestlers, especially wrestlers because a lot of them have very checkered past and interesting lives to say the least. So you know oh, certainly you know getting to read about them and everything is always pretty cool and. The other thing is, even if we're going to go just from a wrestling perspective, there's a lot of backdoor politics and stories that you'll probably never, ever hear unless you talk to one of the wrestlers directly. So yeah. getting to look into their lives a little bit is always an interesting thing. And, I mean, that's a cool book, man. I, you know, if anybody's a big wrestling fan, I mean, that, that's that got to be, a you know, a, an instant grab.
1: And, and honestly, I would say even if you're not a wrestling fan, I – You know, if you know who Andre the Giant is, and and like I said, let's face it, most people do. uh, It's really just it was a really interesting look into what this guy's life was actually like. And I mean, the the end of his life is is about as sad as it gets. I mean, he died at his father's funeral. Oh, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like it just can't get any like that. Uh, it like's just such a tragic end, you know, to to a guy who was, like I said, loved by millions, but had an estranged daughter, and you know, just just a really interesting story and told in a very beautiful and and simple way. It, it, was, it was an excellent book. I was blown away by it because I've read wrestling comic books before. There was a WCW comic book in the early '90s that was holy shit was that bad and you know there there was like an undertaker comic book and like none of these were life stories they were trying to tell superhero comic book stories with wrestlers and just to see this done with respect was really awesome
0: oh yeah most definitely i i can imagine did is that licensed by the wwe or did they just happen to publish this story
1: No, it's just, just this, uh, this publishing company. I mean,
0: I I was just curious. That's all. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's completely, you know, accurate anyway, you know, didn't really touch on much of the wrestling stuff. I'm assuming they just kind of touched on everything else.
1: Yeah. They, they hit a little bit of the wrestling stuff. I mean, because it is a big part of his, you know, career. I mean, it's, it's one of the biggest, uh, one of the biggest sporting events that's ever been held. It was WrestleMania 3 where Hulk Hogan body slammed Andre the Giant. It's, there was 93,000 people in attendance watching the thing live. You know, it's just one of the most massive sporting events there's ever been. So, it is touched on a little bit, but most of it is him flying in airplanes and and what his life was like. It was just a really super touching book. I really liked it.
0: Awesome. Awesome, sweet. Uh so Nick, what do you got for us, man?
2: So yeah, um I went for something old like Dan and uh something new that came out today, and then I also did something that really blew. So uh, you did I'm gonna coke? start with with what was that?
0: You, you said you did blue. blow?
1: No no blue is Oh, me. okay, all right. No, I'm I'm
0: just saying, you know, whatever. I mean that's if you wanna do that, so
2: that's cool.
1: <laughs> Read some comic books, bumped a line, you know. <laughs> not
2: not I. But uh <laughs> But uh, So the first one I want to talk about is the old one, and that came out um, a couple weeks ago, was number five of Starlight. Uh, I'll have to go back to, to number one to tell you all about it, because I don't want to give out number five. It is only a six-issue miniseries by Mark Millar and Gordon Parlov, and it's, it's fantastic. It's from Image Comic. Uh, it started probably around five months ago, I would say. It's a pretty pretty regular book. And it's about Duke McQueen. Uh, when he was younger, he was an Air Force, Air Force pilot, and he went through a wormhole and landed on another planet. He ends up uh, freeing this planet from the you know occupiers and everything. It falls in love with the queen there, has a big dilemma whether to stay or not, ends up going home to his wife and family. Uh, he has two boys that end up growing up. So when he comes home, Nobody at home believes that he was gone because he was he let, he went through a wormhole on a mission, then came back and was just on the planet and then came back to civilization and said, Hey guys, you know, I just came back from another world. I saved the planet too. Don't forget that. And everyone's like, Right. You were just sure, lost. Yes. And we found you. So none of his his sons don't believe him that he was on this planet. The whole town doesn't believe him. You know, it's he, he lives in a small town where the kids, you know, think that he's a crazy guy. Because now this is taking place later in his life. So this is the book starts. This doesn't even. There's no references. There's only references to what I just told you guys. There's no storylines there. That was not issue one. Issue one. You know, you learn these things from the from the art, from the backdrops. You have pictures in the background. You know, or, or just things that 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 people say, and you pick up this whole storyline, which is a great way of telling that. It's basically like Flash Gordon. You know, meets um, you know what's the name from Mars? Uh, that that crappy movie. John Carter. John Carter. Yeah. It's kind of like those two maxed together. But when the guy comes home, everyone thinks he's insane. So now it, this, this is when the book picks up and his wife ends up dying. She's really old. They are supposed to be like, you know, 75 around that area that on that age. And, uh, his sons come to the funeral, you know, everyone now he's like all alone. He's in this house. He wants to host a dinner for his kids and everything. Cause he misses everybody, you know, uh, ends up setting up a whole big table and, and both sons, you know, conk out on him and they, and they don't come to the, the, the dinner and he's left alone. And so that's like three quarters away through the first issue. So really setting up this, this lonely guy, you know, lived this crazy life that no one believes. And now he's completely alone. And in the end of the issue, he's almost ready to like kill himself and a ship comes down and it lands on his front yard and so it's like that's like the justification he's vindicated finally and a little boy comes out so that was like the big splash page cliff a cliffhanging ending of the the first issue and uh it's 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 on issue five now and it's it takes you to this great journey where he, he ends up saying yes to the boy because he's got nothing on earth you know his, kids are too busy they have their own families he's on this house by himself The little boy is looking up to him like he's a god because you know he, the little boy only heard stories about him when he grew up on that distant planet and he's like i we need the hero mcqueen back and so the guy's like i'm an old man i don't know what i'm gonna do and the kid's <laughs> I'm my like,
1: 70s kid i can't
2: the, yeah the kid's like, well, you're still mcqueen you know come come do it and and so he's like i don't know why i'm doing this but i'm gonna go with you and so he ends up going and you know there's betrayals um the world that that gordon parloff creates is beautiful uh there's like statues of of uh of mcqueen of duke mcqueen there so like there's some parts with little boys getting you know beaten down by the government and you know in the background you see like the the Duke with a gun as a big statue, and so it's like people something that they know and forgot, but since the occupiers are are back taking over it's something that that everyone thinks that's that duke can can you know free them again so it's a great story and and right now it's it's just about wrapping up and I definitely tell everyone to pick it up because the art is fantastic uh his art is it's it's definitely more than just beautiful <laughs> it's, it's, it doesn't really it's have too many yeah the line quality is great he goes from this young man to this old man and it's, it's so perfect the way he has wrinkles and just the, the definition of everybody uh, and uh, the, the sceneries are so in depth uh, and Mark Miller's storytelling is actually really good I think he's been on a run lately with, uh, with his image books I love yeah, his, Jupiter's his Legacy recent-
1: his recent image stuff has been has been really really solid.
2: Yeah, Starlight's good. I just picked up uh, uh, MPH number three today. I can't wait to read that one. The first two of them were really good. Uh, and I went back and because I don't know if you guys know, but Secret Service his um, his one book that came out a little while ago from it I, I, forgot, I think it was from Marvel. I think uh, is, is they're making that into a movie. So I was like, ah, oh, the trailer looked good. Let me read the read the issues, and it was really good but really short and that's the same thing with this book i I love the character so much i would love to read 20 issues of it but you know the way he lays out the story you really you know he's telling enough story right here and so i'm just going to enjoy the six issues and you know read it a couple times and and move on
0: well that's that's a good thing about when people do short arcs and they just let sleeping dogs lie is that when it's good you can't break it when it's it just ends and then everything's tied up and that's it you know it'll it'll go into a graphic novel maybe it'll get a sequel sometime down the line but as for a standalone story that's as good as it gets when you know you step away from the book and you're like man that was good and there's nothing else after it you know
2: yeah, and that's that's how we've talked about the beauties of these uh, one shots with uh, Moon Knight, and this is what it kind of feels. It kind of feels like a long one shot, you know, six issues is a perfect amount of story where you could get backstory, or in this case, you know, he just fills in the backstory with the environment, and so that way you don't have to stretch it out for for twenty issues, you know, you, it's a condensed story, and and it's 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 really well done.
0: Sweet, sweet man.
2: Uh, what was yeah. the uh, other one you got? So the other one I got, this is the new one that came out today, was Lazarus number 11. Came out again for image. I am a little bit of an image whore. Um, There's nothing wrong is? with that. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. We're all whores yeah. in some way. <laughs> right. I'm definitely a, a show for this company. And um, it's by Greg Rucca and Michael Lark. Um, this book is non-Number 11, and it kind of feels like it's on number 50. And that is totally good because there's so much content in these pages. Uh, it it just—it's amazing. The, the basic story is—it's um, kind of the not too distant future where commerce has run amok, and now only a few families control everything. So they got all the money, and uh, you know what Scarface said: you got all the money, you get all the power, and uh, you get all the women. But he, but all the families taking over different territories, and there's 12 families, and they're all kind of feuding at the same time. There's some allies in there, but all the families have um, a protector, and the protector is the Lazarus. And the Lazarus, you don't, that's still a mystery of her origins. Is she really from the family? Um, is she a clone? Is she, you know, I don't think she's really a cyborg. But she has like crazy healing abilities, crazy fighting abilities. In the first one, you know, the first couple of pages, she ends up getting shot, and then like you know, she just rises up and just kills everybody. So it's you have that badass elements to it. Uh, but the main thing is this complex environment and story they're laying down. They have uh, stories about the upper class of the, these big families, um, and then you also have everything's below it. So you have the families and then you have the surf and those are the people that work just for the families. And that's like, you know, 10% of the population. And then the other, you know, uh, 89% of the population is these things called the waste and they live, you know, hand to mouth and they have nothing. Uh, the, the families have, have pretty much keeping them all down so they don't rise and And coming up against them, but they give them hope and like in in the I think seven or eight issue, they had this whole thing about where they introduced this waste family, and um there was this rise up day where twelve people from I think it was like 80,000 people get to rise up from the waste and get into the surf class. Class, And that class, you know, works for the family and is protected by the family. And anyone who's, who's family with that surf class is protected and lives luxurious. And the other 89%, they're like, yeah, whatever. You guys are waste. <laughs> we can't deal with you. Sucks
1: for you. It sucks for
2: you. But everyone has these, these Lazarus and... Um, you know the first time she met off with another Lazarus, they sort of were in cahoots, but you know her family betrayed her and ended up blowing that guy up um but generally these 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 Lazarus are very hard to kill and and I can't wait to to see other families Lazarus so far we've only seen forever and that's that's the main character's name they call her eve and stuff um another uh, a guy Lazarus, and now we just just in this year we, we saw a new girl Lazarus from another family and he is so ingenious the way he's making this book because he has tons of stories up front a you know, ton of story with either the family or the serfs or the waste and you have these big world buildings, and at the same time, in in the back, he takes his prose skills and he and he just fills up all the black back panels where it's usually letters, and he fills up the top and the sides and the bottom all with just information about the other families and like the companies they run, you know, what happened to the world to get to this point, you know, he just does huge story building in the back too. So he's taking these two crafts that he has, this, there's a great ability to write comic books and, and he, he's, you know, prolific in the prose that he writes, and he and they mashed it into one to create this ultimate book. Like they even have, if you look, if you ever pick up a, a Lazarus book, look on the back page. Just flip it over. Just just flip on the back. That's actually a commercial for a company in a family that you know, a company that's owned by the family, and it's a fake commercial. It's that crazy. It's like he, he's he's made up advertising and stuff. One time it was like all this foreign language. I'm like, what the hell are they selling in America? And then I was reading it and I was like, oh, shit, it's the other, one of the other families. And I was like, oh, this book is too deep. It's too deep.
1: <laughs> well, and I think one of the major aspects of that book um, that can't be overlooked is Michael Lark. Mm-hmm, that guy's mm-hmm. artwork is so fucking good. Yeah, I was going to
0: mention that before. That's a crazy good team right there.
2: Yeah, it, it's such like, and, and the coloring's good too because it sets this mood with his pencils and that coloring. It's like a dark, stormy move. Like it's no, like everything is murky. And, but once you get to like the the family's house, you know, kind of gets cleaner a little bit. And so, like the coloring really works with with uh, Michael Lark's uh, ability because this book is is absolutely gorgeous.
1: Well, and they've done they've done a bunch of work together before like they they've done um they had a daredevil run right uh right after bendis and Maliev left uh daredevil and bendis's daredevil run was spectacular but right after that rucka and lark took over and kept the book very much in in that kind of noir style and lark and Maliev both have the the uh photorealistic quality to their artwork because a lot of their backgrounds are uh, are actually photographs they they take photographs and then draw over top of them and then the colorists will go in and like paint over the backgrounds and whatnot so you get this really interesting look and he he's just so damn good at it
2: yeah. yeah the photorealism is dead on but it's still like a cartooning style so it's it's it just works perfectly with this book she's badass you know the story's great the art's great and it's it's definitely a must buy, and it's only eleven issues in. So I, I say go go pick up the first two trades because I'm sure they're in trades, and uh, definitely check out that book. But on to the book that blew. Okay, and- <laughs> we're ready. <laughs> that would be Edge of the Spider Verse. Uh, Spider Man, uh, shoot
0: fire away, man! I want to hear all about this.
2: Oh God, is it horrible? And and I was telling Dan before. I'm the biggest Spider-Man fan. I was a Spider-Man fan since the cartoon from a kid. I, I in my high school, I, gr- I graduated in 2000. I was the only person rocking the Spider-Man Venom Carnage shirt when they were all three of them were like entangled in a fight. Like, and and at that time, unlike today, you you never saw a Marvel shirt in, in high school. Like, I was ballsy to wear it because I, I I had the possibility <laughs> of not getting laid ever when putting that shirt on.
1: Yeah, but, it was a badass shirt though. I remember it from uh from college.
2: Yeah, I brought it to college and I still have it. <laughs> and it's got tons of hole it's holding together by like three shreds. <laughs> three threads. Nice. But uh the Edge of the Spider-Verse, um I'm not gonna give away the, the, the writer and the artist because I just wasn't a fan of it. Um so let's not shit on people, um <clears throat> Dean. <clears throat> but <laughs> but this one was uh the it was sort of like the first issue but actually the second of this Spider-Verse. And the first one, you know, I just wasn't a fan of. And this one is Spider-Man Noir. So it's like, once again, we mentioned Jay Lee before. It's, it's, it's a um, it's a poor man's take on, on Jay Lee with less uh, flair that he has. And so it's all about, you know, it's, it's these familiar characters, Peter Parker, uh, Mysterio, Mary Jane, Aunt May, thrown into the 1930s. Uh, i i'm pretty sure there was the whole batman the war series before so people know about that um and so they mashed it all together uh the story was was not good the guy had the Mysterio's magic tricks were were pretty cheesy the relationships between mj and peter and peter's aunt were very cheesy uh they're they're very fake and and just kind of like cookie cutter like a essential just kind of drew out the words because it it was just so you know, contrived, and I just feel that somebody over there was just saying, "We have all these great Spider-Man characters. Spider the Spider-Man the miniseries worked. You know, people love Miles. Scarlet spider's going right now. We just introduced a new chicken the Spider. You know, the Spider Spider-Man comic. Um, you know, we got all these great characters. Let's put them all together and make one great book." and they just did not succeed right now. And I don't care about this new guy that came in that no one knows about that's trying to kill all the Spider-Men. Um, you know, to have uh, Doc Ock's Ultimate Spider-Man with them, it's just weird. And, and I was a fan of that that run. Uh, it, it just missed on all the marks. Uh that happens, and, man. Yeah, and I'm looking here, and they got ten of them, so... And it goes through Amazing Spider-Man, which I'm reading right now. And I like that Amazing Spider-Man. But I don't think I'm going to like this one. And I I like Spider-Island. I like the AVX. I'm not against the big crossovers. uh, But, you know, uh, even though I'm I'm hating on the whole uh, Future's End and now this too, I I still am a a fan of of a well-done crossover.
0: Yeah. All the Spider-Man stuff is kind of... Run its course for me a bit, and I, I'm kind of staying away from Spider-Man for a while. I thought the whole, you know, I I've stated my. End on how I thought Superior Spider-Man was, and I thought it was good. But after that, I'm like, I'm gonna stay away from Spider-Man for a little bit. There's, they always seem to like really whore him out for everything possible. And, <laughs> they do, yeah. And I, I'm just like, I enough. I I can't take Death this anymore. I, yeah, I don't I don't want anything to do with this. So when it calms down, maybe I'll go back into Spider-Man. But I mean, there's villain books with the the whole Carnage thing they did with it, they,
2: you know it, it too much. Well, that Carnage that, no, not Carnage, I'm thinking of the, the Venom run was great. The, the Rick Remender ve- Venom run was one of my favorite things ever, and that crossed right into the Spider Island stuff
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that, that I get uh, I'm, I'm talking about the uh, Superior Carnage thing that came out.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't look I, I turned my head quickly when I saw that. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I, I mean Carnage is a beaten dead character when it comes to, uh you know his own books and stuff. He has had more than enough time uh, yeah. on the pages, but
2: and I do not want to see the uh, movie that comes out from him. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's not talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> I,
1: well, and I think that's the biggest shame too, because I mean, I think we talked about that on the podcast before how against the superior Spider-Man that Nick and I were from the very beginning of it. Like we were like this is fucking stupid, and then grew to love it. I I. It actively, as much as I like the the new Amazing Spider-Man book, I think it's such a shame that, you know, because the movie was coming out, because Amazing Spider-Man 2 was coming out, and Peter Parker's Spider-Man, there's no way the comic book on the stands is not going to have Peter Parker as Spider-Man. So they had to, it felt like yeah. they, it and that's, felt like and- there was so much more to do with Doc Ock. I know.
2: And, and that's so stupid, too, because you're not yeah. going to pull in those random people that are that are going to see the movie and they will be like, oh, God, I got to have this comic book that's out right now. It's like, no, if anything, they'll do a little bit of research and, and realize where that movie, you know, originated from and go back maybe to the ultimate to the you know, amazing Spider-Man run by Bendis a little while ago. Yeah. You know, so to 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 take that and, and the comic book fan is going to go see the movie no matter what and, and going to enjoy an alternate story while what they're reading right now.
1: Yeah, it's mark. Guardians of the Galaxy is a movie that can pull in comic book readers because there's not a ton of people reading Guardians of the Galaxy right now. You know, so that that I would argue would be a book where you'd be like, oh, this movie was fucking cool. Let me go check out what this is about. But there's nobody who doesn't know who Spider-Man is you know, you're not going to pull in somebody and be like, there's this fucking Spider-Man character. I don't know. I've never heard of it. That's weird. And I saw the movie and I loved it. So I went and got the comic book, right? Like I, I honestly don't believe that that person exists in the world. It'd be the same thing with Batman, you know, like, Oh, there's, there's this weird Batman character. I don't know. I've never heard of it before, you know? So I, I really just, I think it was just such a shame to, to have to prematurely end that superior Spider-Man run. It was so good.
2: That it was. That it was. And now they've taken it off to a very strange place. Yeah.
1: yeah. Like I said, that's not to say the new Amazing Spider-Man book isn't really good, because it's still really good. It's a lot of fun. I just think there was so much more to to, yeah. to yeah. do with it. And I, they've done this Spider-Man noir before. They've had some miniseries um, that have been okay. I, it's It's been the best. when I, It was like five or six years ago, Marvel did a big noir thing. And there was a Daredevil noir yeah. and X Men noir and, and a bunch of others, and Spider Man was the best out of them. But that doesn't mean it was great,
2: you know. Right.
1: It, yeah. yeah, I'm
2: looking at I'm looking at August uh, comic book sales right now, and Amazing Spider Man is actually number two amongst amongst everything. Nice. Batman number 1, Batman 34 number 1, the main Spider-Man. And it's pretty funny. 14, 15, 16 are all Batman Eternal. So basically that Batman book sold 160,000 copies where the other Batman book only sold 112. Wow. So that that's the reason why you do these once a week things because you sell a lot more books.
1: Yeah, yeah, you that's do. Great.
2: And and look at that Harley Quinn number 7. That's that's pretty uh
1: <laughs>
2: pretty surprising.
1: It is. That book's... Ugh. Yeah. Talk about that another time. But Guardian of the Galaxy, number nine. There you go. See, that pulled in new readers, because yeah. it wasn't number nine a while ago. No. no. <laughs>
2: Dean, but, uh, but,
0: but Dean, what did what, you get into? Oh, man. Uh, well, this isn't going to be, like, at the convention. I actually did read stuff this week. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the first thing I read was actually a spinoff of a book uh, called Nosferatu. But on the actual book, it's the it's abbreviated into a license plate. It's called N0S42. Yeah, Nosferatu. For oh and n n zero four a two sorry Nosferatu, uh, very witty. Uh, the book's yeah. by Joe Hill. It's <laughs> it's a it's a horror novel. It's really cool. I recommend it for anyone who wants like a very creepy type of book. It's about a I guess a I would call it a dream vampire uh, who controls a uh, a Rolls Royce as his vehicle to lead children into his uh, his realm. I guess you'd call it. And uh feast upon them so he can live forever. Uh, the guy's name is uh Charlie minx the third Charlie Ta- Charles Talent minx the third interesting name, interesting guy, very, very creepy uh sounding by the description. So recently, when we were at the convention, I saw Charles Paul Wilson the third, and I, I kind of just shuffled over there, said hi, like his work and whatnot, trying to make up for the fact about how guilty I feel talking trash about him all those times.
1: How guilty you feel for not liking his work?
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I walked over there and he had a book called The, uh, the, the Wraith, uh, Welcome to Christmas Land. And I was like, ah, what's this about? And I picked it up and I found out it was a spinoff to the the book uh, that I was reading, Ferratu, and, and I was like, all right, you know, I'll give this a try. So the next day I went home, I downloaded it. It's on issue eight right now. I read issue one. Firstly, let me say anything I've said derogatory about Charles Paul Wilson. Take it back. Uh, book looks awesome. The The way I had the characters drawn in my head is how he drew them on the paper. They are, to the T, perfect. Any of the ones that are in the book that uh, cross over into the comic, he did perfectly. Joe Hill, the author of the book, is the one writing the comic. So there's no loss of you know perception here. Story is uh, the same. Also, if you didn't read the book and you just want to read something scary, the comic is a great place to start. It stands on its own two feet by itself. Uh, now, the, the comic is more about him, uh, the, the the serial killer, uh, Charlie Manx. I'm just going to call him that instead of his full name. That would take an hour to say. Uh, you know, it, it goes around following him. The whole first few frames is him kidnapping a, a girl, and she's in the back seat, and he's just kind of uh, telling her that, you know, she looks ugly when she cries, not to cry, they're going to a happy place. Christmas land. And that is where he takes children to slowly suck the life away on them. Christmas land. It's his little fucked up world, just decorated with Christmas ornaments and gumdrops and candy canes and... The world always has fireworks and stuff overhead and whatnot, and it sounds great, but he's slowly killing you in this happy, happy world. So, you know, it, it's it's a very, like, you know, I guess catch-22 type thing. It's happy, but you're dying, so <laughs> <laughs> where where's the trade-off there? Um,
1: like, I'm having a good time, but I'm going to be dead soon, yeah, so that kind of sucks. Yeah, ex-
0: exactly, and the thing is, um, anyway, in the book, uh, you know, he has a, a sort of helper, and um, what it is is, you know, the the child needs to be separated from the parents. Parents can't go to Christmasland. They're not allowed. Only the kids can because I guess their imagination can handle it and a parent's imagination can't. So his little helper, uh, whoever it is at the time, goes and murders them and sometimes does worse things than that. And it's a pretty graphic book. But I mean, the comic doesn't seem as graphic to the point, you know. It, it's still rather brutal, but not that brutal. I haven't really established if this is before or after the book yet. I only got the the one issue, and I'm very excited to read more though. And I I would recommend this to anybody looking for something scary. Uh, it's it's definitely like a, a, a creepy book. Uh, fans of like Lock and Key and stuff, maybe along that line, might like it. Joe Hill is a very very good writer, and um, you know, again, the the fact that the author of the book is writing the comic, there's not much that can go wrong because he has all the source material in his head. There's nothing else <laughs> anyone needs. You know, it, he is the source material, so he can do what he wants. And as long as he sticks to the general idea of what he's doing right now, he should be fine. It seems like a great book, and I, I got to recommend it to anyone.
2: Yeah, I think it's all weird when they, when they take books and they make them into you know, uh comics and they just have completely different creative team. It's really cool that Joe Hill takes his um his 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 prose and, and puts it into a comic form.
0: Yeah, I, I, you know and I, I I thought it made for a great uh comic read too. You know, it's it's short enough the issues where, you know, you can kinda pop in, pop out, and it doesn't really take anything away from it. You know, reading the book, um, though the way it's paced is very weird because the chapters go by locations Uh, they don't go by, um, uh, what do you call it, like just regular chapters. So when a uh, person leaves one area and goes to another, the chapter ends and starts in a new area, which is, it's cool. It's a different way of pacing it, and it makes for some very, very cool moments because, you know, you'll be in, I I don't know, uh, Idaho in one point, and all of a sudden uh, one of the main characters is like, and she's traveling across some sort of, extra dimensional bridge and she's in and it'll say dot 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 turn the page next chapter is new york city or something like that, <laughs> that ridiculous again so cool. hey, yeah, it's it's a cool book and <laughs> I, I yeah yeah to be honest i'd recommend the book it's like 600 pages it's a pretty wordy book but it's very very cool
2: i don't know about you guys but comic books and audiobooks have ruined prose for me i cannot sit down and read a book
0: uh, I I still like Maybe. to read. I I like to keep my mind a little sharp.
2: Um, I've read a lot of books in my time. You know, I loved Hunter S. Thompson, uh, You know, I've I've read the classics and stuff like that. But I just I can't do it anymore.
0: It, it's tough to find the time. And you know, a lot of the time when I'm um, uh, reading is late at night. So it's the last thing I do before I go to bed. You know, I'll read a half hour here, half hour there. And I'll finish the book sooner or later. I did that actually with Dead Space pretty recently. Um, the One of the books that came out explaining how um, the whole, what do you call it, the marker crap came into being. Yeah. Uh, th- there was a book all about that and Altman and the Colt and all that. So I was like, oh, this is interesting. I kind of want to read this. Hey, I, I read it like literally for a half hour a night. I read it maybe for forty five minutes on my break at work. I finished it in like three days. Uh, uh-huh. It wasn't incredibly long book, but you know, you you read when you can, and I I totally get what you're saying because. You know, 600 pages, I didn't think was a lot till I started reading it. And it's a
2: daunting task. Yeah, and I'm
0: just like, shit, man. I'm like 65% of the way through the book, and I'm – And zero pictures.
1: Yeah, and yeah, and, Where are all the fancy pictures, goddammit?
0: That's what I'm saying the entire time.
2: Uh, uh, yeah, whenever I read a book, I'm like, oh, my god. I do not want to fucking hear you explain the environment and tell me what the hell's going on. Just draw a picture of it and fuck it, and let's move on. Just give me the dialogue.
0: <laughs> I see you're a fan of the graphic novel,
2: yeah, exactly I, I tell you I can't read a book anymore no nah, I, I got you man it, I
0: tell you what it it is tough to read a book i I don't know where you stand on this, Dan.
1: no i i um i don't know i I kind of have a uh, teach a English and you rule. have to read it <laughs> yeah well, um I kind of have a steadfast rule if i if I look at a book. And uh, it, if it's going to take you six hundred pages to tell me your story, I just don't want to hear your story.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if it's going to tell, me, it's just going to take me six hundred pages to read this. Well, fuck you! I don't want to hear it.
1: Five <laughs> ninety nine, maybe. Hit that six hundred <laughs> yeah. mark. Fuck you. <laughs> I, I I don't know. Like most of the books that I read, typically fall, um, it, and it's weird, but they all usually fall somewhere between. 317 and like 332 pages
0: that is oddly exact Dana.
1: I know it is (laughs) Uh, well I thought it was weird and I started looking at all the books that I read recently and it was like wow they're all in this very specific range and I don't know that's just like maybe that's an editor thing that's how you pick out your books you just like scroll to the (laughs) end hey (laughs) Kip this one's 321 right in my (laughs) wheelhouse (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I don't even... I mean, I judge the book by its cover because... It turns that's out it's I, like a Little Women or something. Covers. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I don't even care what it's about. Ooh, a new Nicholas Sparks book. What is it? 317 pages? So, Ring it up, well, cashier man. Uh,
0: You know, the, the other thing is, <laughs> I, I didn't know how big 600 pages was till my girlfriend pulled out American Gods for me, which is sort of on that same line. And I read that book digitally, so I didn't really get a feel for the depth of the book but it was close to around that that book is thick as a motherfucker it is like bible size i don't
2: get it i don't understand how these women can read that much my, my fiance on vacation like went through the entire uh, vampire academy in the in like the four days we went away it was like six books she read oh yeah i like,
0: I, I, I can't read that here? i i don't i don't absorb it if i read that fast there's no point for me to read the book
2: <laughs> exactly it's just reading the a v, at where it's like
0: yeah, yeah, I got the general idea. There was this guy who went to a beach. He uh, yeah. laid down. End of the book. Done. Good. Seven hundred pages. The there you way, go.
1: Man, like when uh, she was real excited when the Harry Potters were still coming out, and that was what she did. The new Harry Potter. Like whenever a, a new book was coming, she ordered it. It was delivered to her doorstep, and then the next day she was finished with it. Like <laughs> that's unbelievable. She, she just read. The whole goddamn thing, and, and just just couldn't put it down. Yeah, you know. I, and
2: Veronica and I were actually reading comics today, and I I read two, and I beat her in the in because she was still on the second one. I was shocked. I, I felt like I felt victorious. <laughs> I, I just wanted to throw the comic down and like smush it in her face and be like I beat you
1: that time because I never I beat think, her. I think that might be a thing to explore in the future. I think <laughs> and comic I book smothering. Wrong, Yeah, well, comic book smothering. And I, I, I'm gonna go ahead and say that men read slower than women.
0: Oh, yeah. I'd have to agree with that.
1: I think, I think that is probably universally true, because it's, like, if Tiff and I start a book together, she'll be on, like, the third book in the series, and I'm, like, halfway through the first one. I'm like, I just fucking, I just can't.
2: that's like that uh the big bang episode where the girls finally uh discover comic books and and everyone all three of them are done but penny's still reading and and they were like how'd you take so long and she's like well you know a lot of things happen and and one of the girls was like well i just had one page that had the word boom on it (laughs) (laughs) it's like yeah that could happen (laughs) they can go quick but for us that does happen our time (laughs) i don't
1: know
0: Ah, it's okay, and I, I guess we like to take it in a bit more sometimes. I, I don't know, or either that's that right. or just men are fucking retarded. We appreciate the craft. Sure, sure, we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <down. laughs> Let's forego our retardedness. <laughs> yeah, we like audiobooks. Yeah. <laughs> I like somebody to read it to me. <laughs> I, I, yes,
0: I, voice. I'd like fucking Morgan Freeman to read me Nosferatu. I'd like him to read me a <laughs> horror book. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, that'd be fantastic. I'd like Morgan Freeman to read me anything, anything at all.
2: Come to my house. You're not working. All right, what movie are you making? <laughs>
0: he You're can not. order Chinese food for me. You're That'd not. be great.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Pork and fried rice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh,
2: yes. Brilliant. Yeah. What, what else did you oh, read, Dean? All right. Yeah, I, I got one
0: other book because we seem to be going on like a two-book uh, tangent today, so I'm, I'm going to keep it short. The, uh, the other book I read was called Annihilator. Uh, it's by Grant, well, written by Grant Morrison, arts by uh, Fraser Irving. Uh, it's published by a publisher I have actually haven't heard of before, uh,
1: Legendary. Have you guys heard of them? No. Damn. I, I think they're new, actually. Okay. Like, I think they're a relatively new company.
0: Normally, I don't pick up uh, oddball publishers like this because the chances of them coming back up on Comicsology or even into a comic book store... Is slim a lot of the time, unless you know they get a lot of purchases.
2: Oh, but but it is Grant Morrison. So it That's does come that with was it, the, with the, the thing.
0: I was like Grant Morrison fucks with my head sometimes. I like it when he fucks with my head. <laughs> so I I you know what I, I took the plunge. I spent four bucks on the book, and I was pleasantly surprised. Um, it's sort of uh, God. All right, so I'm I'm gonna get real like Inception on you guys right now. <laughs> um. Oh. Yeah, there, there's a writer uh, out there. Just uh, He made movies for a living. He's written tons of screenplays and everything. He's working on his next big thing. Apparently, there's a paradox going on where the characters that he's created have actually sprouted to life. And one of the actual um, plots that he's made is coming to reality the end of the world as we know it in a science fiction thriller is happening and uh this uh this hero i guess uh is on his way to find the the writer to fucking fix everything because he he knows everything he's the writer so uh what it is is this this writer has to balance trying to save the world without blowing out his own fucking mind because He's writing a story that he already wrote that isn't real, but it's coming real? <laughs> you know, so it, it's it's one of those mind benders. So fuck you, Grant Morrison. I like this book, but I don't understand a damn thing about it, which is normally what happens with uh, your books. But that's cool, because maybe it'll make sense in issue number two. Ooh,
2: uh, sorry about that. Uh, um, I, I'm, I actually looked up Legendary. And we all know Legendary because it made movies, and um, now I guess it's going. Oh, you know,
0: really? Oh, Th- that yeah. Same same it, that, company. Okay.
2: Yeah, yeah. I just I just brought it up, and I think Dracula Untold um, trailer just started playing. That was that music. Okay. <laughs> well,
0: I I didn't hear anything. So so oh, cool. Okay. But yeah, I mean, I I guess then you know that that's kind of cool that they're doing something like that. It's a very cool book, and it's written kind of quirky because you know what it reminds me of uh you guys ever seen that movie memento yeah it's got a very back and forth type feel I like that yeah, you know it cuts to and fro uh very often not
1: bad isn't um isn't there a lot of uh I think I read something about this book isn't there a lot of uh like fourth wall breaking of like the narrator writer of the story like actually talking to you the reader like telling you to put the book down and that kind of shit
0: yeah yeah, I, like I said, it's very inceptiony, and like you could see this guy kind of getting fucked in the head a little bit because it, it, like, how how do you handle this? You know, you're you're experiencing like interdimensional, like mind blowing things. That just stuff is not working in your head, and how do you comprehend that?
2: It, it, it. I'm looking at the cover too, and it looks. It reminds me of the Back to the Future. Um, cover that the dad, you know, the, the science his fiction book that he wrote. It, it looks nice. very similar. <laughs> it's pretty cool.
1: Fraser Irving's, uh a really really excellent artist. He's he's another guy like Jay Lee that has that kind of ethereal, soft quality to his writing and I, I or to his artwork. And I, I don't mean that as a dig. It's just it's very uh, very painted looking a lot of times. It, it's right. just kind of right. soft and glowy and.
0: That I can agree with. That's definitely in the yeah. book. Uh it, it certainly looks like that he does a very good job uh coloring everything in. It, it looks fantastic. There is yeah. nothing wrong. With it. I I can for Batman uh Superman with Jay Lee stuff. I maybe it's just the 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 concept of the book of, you know, Batman being dark and, you know, Superman yeah. kind of feeding off that a little bit. Uh, the book is, is very muddy sometimes in Batman, Superman. This is more bright. Uh, there's a lot of you know light colors going on, especially because there's a space science fiction theme to it, so there's a lot
2: of glow and everything. Very cool book. Uh, I, yeah, I, 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 I don't know if you would really call J. in that book muddy. I know what you're saying. I think it's more fluid. And I just looked up some images for this one, and it does have that style where it's very um, – characterized almost but it, it's beautiful i mean when you think of like kind of new publishers you definitely don't think of this as as their work and i mean it looks really good
0: yeah and you know they really i they paid some money to get grant morrison to uh you know write a book for him and i, I mean like i said this frank irving did a fantastic job uh uh inking this so yeah, I would recommend it to anybody. It's a really pretty looking book. It's got a crazy uh plot going on and I'm really excited to see what's going on uh on with it. So, I'm hoping this just isn't a, just uh excuse me, just isn't a one-off thing for uh this new publisher, Legendary. I I hope they kind of, you know, dig their feet in and something comes of this. That'd be really cool.
2: Yeah, it looks like they um are kind of like almost like the horror genre. It does do a little bit of Godzilla and um uh, what was the other uh it was um oh Pacific Rim. So they do some movie stuff, but at the same time it looks kinda of like all their books look pretty dark. There's a a town called Dragon in here and it's by Judd Winnick. So that's another pretty big name. And um who was also uh J. Michael Skrasinski is also doing a book for them too. So they're they're paying money. These guys are definitely want to be in the game.
0: No, yeah, well, and I I mean that's I appreciable. It. It's it's good to see new blood.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so,
0: I mean, that, that's really about it. I read one more thing, but I, I'm I'm just, uh, nah, I'm not really feeling it.
2: <laughs> well, you could do the blue section, too. Actually, well,
0: uh, you know, it, it's not a bad book. It's just, you know what, I was, for those of you who don't know, I was at work the entire day, and I, I, I didn't have a great day. So I, you know, I left in a huff. There's this book called Wilds End, and it looks really cool. It's got a War of the Worlds type uh thing going on with it, but it's with cute, fluffy animals. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I I I wanted to read it. I kind of got into it on my lunch, and then I it, stuff came up. I had to go back in, so I really didn't d- didn't get to read it all. It looks super cool. I maybe I'll go over it next week because I again I don't want to give it a bad you know. Review if it's actually good, and I only read you know ten pages of it, so I'm I'm gonna hold off on. Someone's got homework. Yeah, yeah, I do have some homework. (laughs) I gotta I gotta write my ten page essay on uh uh this book now.
2: Yeah, and I'm I'm definitely gonna pick up annihilator. This looks looks great, right? Yeah, it looks really really cool.
0: I'm 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 really excited to to see more from uh from legendary, but yeah, um, do we got any stuff to plug? Uh,
1: We are. I am plugless. Plugless. Okay. Uh, I am also plugless at this moment. Are you unplugged, Dean?
0: I I I, I got some plugs. <laughs> I always got some plugs. I mean I I'm the proprietor. I gotta have plugs or else we're not really running a website, are we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, uh... Okay, guys, so we got a few things to plug here. Uh, Firstly and foremost, remember to like us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, When you like us on Facebook and Twitter, first of all, you get access to all of our stuff firsthand whenever it comes out. That's right. Whenever we get new stuff out, you're the first to see it because we put all our stuff, all our alerts out to Facebook and Twitter first. So if you like and follow us on there, you'll always be in the loop. Secondly, check out our website. we got plenty of new articles going up in our Lost in Time section and our Think Tank section. Chris Randazzo just came out with a new Think Tank article where he goes from a many-console household to a one-console household. And for him, that's a big deal because Chris owns every console known to man. So uh, he talks about that a little bit, and it makes for a really cool read. So check that out. Uh, Besides that, you can check us out on YouTube. Uh, I, myself... Dean DeFalco, aka The Vest Lord, is doing a whole ton of playthrough stuff on Deadlight and Hammerwatch, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. Uh, we got some friends coming on there real soon, so that'll be fun as well. Uh, besides that, remember to subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, you could do it also through our website, either or, that's fine. You'll get forwarded all our podcasts when they come out then Uh, you can also download our podcast right from our website too i should probably mention the website name that would be a smart idea www.g33klife at g (laughs) that's funny that's our email address let me go back www.g33klife.com once again that's www.g33klife.com uh, for any emails you want to send us, whether you want to talk to Dan, Nick, Chris, myself, one of our guests, just address it to them and send the email to geeklifesite at gmail.com. Once again, that's g F E S 3 klifesite at gmail.com. So uh, that wraps it up for tonight. Guys, it's been a pleasure. Uh, from all of us at the Paper Cuts Podcast and Geek Life, have a good night.